On this episode of the Nonprofit Ready Podcast, I'm pleased to be joined by Jackie Weber, Chief Development Officer at Homeboy Industries. Fundraising wants to develop relationships and show impact. And while you have to raise money, that is, ask for money and get money, fundraising is not a transaction-based enterprise. Welcome to the Nonprofit Ready Podcast, conversations with accomplished professionals from across the nonprofit sector about what they do, why they do it, and how they make change happen. I'm your host, Justin Waddell, from NonprofitReady.org and the Cornerstone On Demand Foundation. And as part of Grantsmanship Month, I'm pleased to be joined by Jackie Weber, Chief Development Officer at Homeboy Industries, a nonprofit based in downtown Los Angeles providing job training positions to formerly gang-involved and recently incarcerated men and women, allowing them to redirect their lives and become contributing members of our community. Jackie is one of the key people responsible for fundraising and enabling the organization to achieve financial sustainability, and we are very happy to have her here in the studio. Jackie, thanks so much for being with us on the Nonprofit Ready Podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So why don't we start by telling our audience a little bit more about Homeboy Industries. So Homeboy Industries started with the motto of nothing stops a bullet like a job. And over the last 25 years, 27 years, I guess, um, the our work has grown and it's changed. Uh, and we're now, we know that uh, while nothing stops a bullet like a job, a job is not what keeps a gang member out of jail. What actually keeps gang members from reoffending is healing core wounds that caused them to act out in the first place. And so um, before it was a thing, Homeboy was providing trauma-informed services. Before it was a thing, we were looking at the whole person rather than um, just the output or product of the person. And consequently, we're now uh, in 2015 a $15 million organization that uh, has about 40% of its revenues coming in from social enterprise, which is uh, sales from our bakery, our cafe, catering, and so forth. Uh, But then we have $9 million of the organization, 60% of our budget is spent on programs and services that are not related to job training. So they're related to mental health, education, legal services, um, reunifying families, doing all of the things that help people heal so that they don't end up back in the system. Mm -hmm. And amidst all this, how did you find your way to Homeboy? Um, So I I guess I've done fundraising since my first fundraising gig was uh, when I was in college and not so interested in actually being in college. I took a door-to-door fundraising job with a political campaign in 1988, and we passed this insurance reform proposition in in California. Um, That was probably before you were born. No, no. I I skated right in under that. (laughs) Okay. All right. So when you were still in diapers, that's when I was going door-to-door fundraising. And, um, And that's when sort of the bug hit me of, I could make a difference in the world with the work that I do. And indeed, 
every job that I've had since then has um, been really driven by meaning first and anything else second. So I guess when you ask about how I landed at Homeboy, um, I came to California in 1996 working for a tech startup. And after a couple of years of working for the tech startup, decided there was not enough meaning there and um, found a job posted on an index card in a volunteer phone bank room at KCRW saying that they were hiring somebody to to do fundraising and that they would train them. So I was like, well, I can do that. I've done door-to-door fundraising. I can do anything fundraising. And so I ended up working at KCRW for 10 years and through a series of changes, I moved on from KCRW into performing arts. And I loved the performing arts. When I was in high school, I was in theater. I know how the performing arts can change people. I'm testament to that. Um, but after a number of years of that, again, you know, meaning came knocking on my door. Say, like, really, are you spending your life uh, raising money for the most important thing to you? And by this time, I was in my early 40s and decided that really the most important thing for me was that my kids and the kids that they grew up in be safe and healthy and productive. And what I saw across town was thousands of families every year being shattered by uh, violence, substance abuse, uh criminal activity, families broken apart. And uh, as I came to this realization, a job announcement landed in my inbox, and two weeks later I was leaving. Wow. Now, you mentioned that you caught the bug for fundraising. That's not a bug a lot of people catch. A lot of people (laughs) view fundraising as their least favorite thing to do. What about it appeals to you? There are two things that appeal. One is the idea of being on a soapbox. If you've got something to soapbox for, if you've got a reason to get up on a soapbox, why not raise money for it? And the other is, for me, the way that I engage with people is I want to find out what your interests are, and then I want to help you make those come to fruition, whatever those interests are. So what is it that you need? You need a swim cap for your kids' swim lesson. Let me find a way to get you a swim cap. Or you need, uh, you want, you're interested in puppies. I'm allergic to puppies, but uh, you're interested in puppies. Let me see if I can find a way for you to make a difference in puppies' lives. Matchmaker, mm-hmm. I think, is the, is the kind of the source of that. Okay, interesting. Matchmaker and loudmouth. Matchmaker and loudmouth, words to live by. How do you explain your job today? Are you still going door to door? Are you still <laughs> making those calls? Oh, that's what a What does question. the chief development officer of Homeboy Industries do? I do a little bit of everything. What the chief development officer at Homeboy is doing right now is focusing on aligning um, communication at Homeboy, external communication, so that the organization speaks with a a united voice 
to all of its different stakeholders, um, from people who are investing in Homeboy to people who are receiving services to people who are buying bread so that everybody knows what Homeboy is about. And then uh, the chief development officer is also creating strategies, looking at the horizon to ask what is it that we're going to need to raise in order to make the impact that we want to make over the next five years and what are the strategies that we need to employ to get there. Um, at the same time, I'm writing holiday catalog copy, end of year solicitation copy, I'm meeting with grant funders and I'm meeting with major donors and overseeing crowdfunding campaigns. Mm -hmm. So there's all of it. Yeah, it almost sounds like you are in a mixture of fundraising and marketing. Do you work yep. fairly closely with the marketing team? Yep. What's that relationship like? So the, the marketing team is part of the development team mm -hmm. at Homeboy. It's not always that case at non it's not always that case at nonprofits, but uh, marketing is part of development. And even though marketing does many things that are not development, at the end of the day, that whole that messaging arc. Um, needs to be coordinated in order for fundraising to be effective. Mm -hmm. Were you ever in a role in which they were separate silos? Yeah. Okay. What challenges did you find in that situation in terms of maintaining alignment? Um, marketing wants to do different things mm -hmm. than fundraising. Marketing wants to transact where... Fundraising wants to develop relationships and show impact. Mm -hmm. And while you have to raise money, that is, ask for money and get money, fundraising is not a transaction-based enterprise. Mm -hmm. Interesting. A lot of people would disagree with you on that. Enlighten us further. So... As a fundraiser, if I am talking to the right 30 people throughout the course of the year and communicating with the right 30 people throughout the course of the year, then when I get to that time of the year, whether it's the end of the year or whenever that person is ready to make an ask, the proper cultivation has gone into, into that work. I'm still making the ask, but there's a lot of communication that is not that is not um, asking. Mm -hmm. Marketing, there are a couple types of marketing, right? So mm -hmm. there's retail marketing and brand marketing. Mm -hmm. If you're brand marketing, I think brand marketing and fundraising are, are closely aligned. Retail marketing, not so much, because retail marketing doesn't care about the relationship. Retail marketing cares about the sale. Mm -hmm. Retail marketing cares that one day only you can make this happen. And so those two are at odds with each other. Okay. And that's interesting to me because you mentioned that Homeboy is 40% social enterprise. How does that funding scenario change the way in which you play the fundraising game? So it, it's interesting. I don't know that it really changes the scenario. I think it changes my communication in that... Homeboy's at 21 farmer's markets. Mm -hmm. Homeboy is at 
um, in every Ralph's with chips and salsa. So it uh, there's a cafe at LAX. Mm-hmm. There's a cafe at Culver Studios. Um, so people think, wow, Homeboy must be rolling in dough. You get so much money from selling all your stuff. And that is not the case at all. Social enterprise only accounts for 40% of our revenue. The rest comes from fundraising. Mm-hmm. So my job in communicating is about the program and the impact. And, oh, we've got these social enterprises that provide 40% mm-hmm. of our revenue. Yeah. What advice can you give to other nonprofits who may have a similar model based in social enterprise that have to convince their donors, wait, wait a minute, guys, you know, this isn't funding our entire operation. I think that that when you look at the um, at what percentage of your revenue is coming from a social enterprise as compared to your overall program, that it very quickly becomes apparent that what you need to focus on is the difference that you're making in somebody's life, not the fact that you're selling bread. Mm-hmm. And if somebody asks or if there is any lack of clarity about where your money comes from, you you know put a big stamp on anything it is on your coffee cup, on your whatever. Do good coffee company gets 10% of its revenue from coffee sales. 90% comes from people like you who give another $5 at the cash register when you mm-hmm. buy. Yeah, just make those expectations very clear. Yeah. Since coming on at Homeboy, how has your role evolved? I think coming on at Homeboy, uh, the organization had a 25-year track record of doing great work. Um and it was known virtually exclusively in the larger kind of donor philanthropic community as the chips and salsa people, the people with the bakery. Oh, they don't need money because they're not, they don't need it. They're a social enterprise. They make all of their money. So what has changed since I came on board is um, the level of communication and the constancy of communication that we've had with uh, with our different stakeholders. And so what that means is more regular communication with donors, more regular communication with um, our Facebook friends and our email newsletter recipients about the impact that Homeboy makes, not about chips and salsa. And what we've found is that the more we talk about the impact that we make, the more our social enterprise revenue grows because people know that what we're doing is making a difference. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, it seems like you know, so much of what you do is about really cultivating those relationships and not just, again, knocking on doors or banging on phone banks and figuring out if someone can give you that one-off donation is this something that came naturally to you, or what were some of the core learning experiences early in your career that made you realize, oh, this is how this should be done? Um, I don't think I had any core learning experiences early in my career that said this is how things should be done. I think I learned 
through the School of Hard Knocks how things shouldn't be done. And for the first many, many years, um, I treated donors like they were ATMs because I thought my job was to get the check. Mm-hmm. And that's not my job. My job is not to get the check. The check will come from the donor. But if the donor feels like the ATM, that donor's not going to give you money again. Mm-hmm. What was your wake-up call? Um, when I was working at KCRW and I was doing corporate uh, corporate support, again, my job was to get the money, get the money, get a you know support for this program provided by blah, blah, blah. Um, was to get that underwriter, and it was like radio sales. And because I'd come out of commercial radio and radio sales on the commercial side, I saw how it was done. I knew that, you know, X number of spots for Y number of dollars, let's make a deal. Um, But in public radio, there was a whole contingent of people who didn't really want to make a deal. They wanted to be loved on. And what happened was those people who wanted to be loved on after they wrote the first check and didn't write a second check, why didn't they want to be loved on? I mean, why didn't they want to renew their support? You get enough people who don't do that, who Mm -hmm. don't come back and you go, Oh, maybe I've been not doing something right. Maybe my job is not to just pull the ATM lever. Maybe my job is to look at something much longer, look at a much longer arc of relationship development. And indeed, as I've gone now over the course of the last 10 years, uh, any sort of fundraising 101 seminar or donor cultivation seminar will, um, will generally speaking, tell you that if you look at, at uh, a donor, you look at a person like a clock, a fundraiser like a clock, you spend 11 hours on that clock developing the relationship. Solicitation is one hour out of 12. The other 11 is cultivation, cultivation, cultivation. Mm -hmm. Which, if you look at it from a personal perspective, it's about identifying common ground, understanding how somebody wants to make a difference in their life, Um, with their giving, helping them find a way to make a difference, showing them that their contribution made a difference, inviting them down to meet the people who have been affected by their contribution. Oh, and can we ask for your support again this year? Mm -hmm. Seems like this takes a lot of patience. Are there a particular set of skills that you feel people working in development need to have to be successful? Meditation. You need to mindfulness. Develop, develop a mindfulness practice. That's really important. Um, I think skills for for anybody who's doing development, I think the most important thing is um, if you're going to do fundraising, to be able to be 100% invested in what you are um, asking support for because donors can smell inauthenticity. And then the second thing is when you say you're going to do something for a donor, 
with the donor to a donor, you then need to follow through with that. There's Mm -hmm. no drop in the ball. So a commitment to follow through is critical. Patience is critical. Asking is critical. Um, That does it. Okay. Now, how big is your team? Uh, So I've got, there are nine of us. There are nine of you. And are they and that's, all? That's marketing and development. That's marketing and development. Uh, of those nine, are they all focused on different segments of your fundraising? I have two people on marketing. I have one person on foundation work. I have one person on um, sort of entry level giving more public campaigns. I have one person on events. And uh, then I have one to two people on just database entry. Mm-hmm. We had 7,000 donors last year. Wow. So 7,000 donors, each one potentially with the request that you need to follow through on. How do you manage that? Well, delegate is the big thing. Um, I don't. I delegate as much work as I can to the people that I work with, and I let them know that follow-up is critical. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have team meetings to reconvene yeah. to manage that yeah. chaos? I no, we've got we have weekly meetings. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we've got weekly team meetings, weekly one-on-one meetings um, with everybody on the team, uh, and then executive team meetings, coordinating the work of the agency with our work so that we're all aligned on mm-hmm. the same page. How has your understanding of this work changed as you've moved from, you know, the front lines to a more strategic position? I think I'm much more aware that um, there's no silver bullet, that relationship development takes time, and that when, uh, when word on the street changes for the better, that's when you know you're doing your job right. Mm-hmm. Now, how closely do you monitor and how do you monitor public perception of your organization? Because I imagine that's absolutely essential to maintaining success in fundraising. Yeah. So we have, you know, we've got a Facebook following of 135,000 people. And uh, I've got a social media team that's on that. Those are all fans, right? Mm-hmm. So, So for me... Um, I think because Homeboy is such a grassroots organization, meaning that it's such a, it's such a public organization. I don't mean grassroots like there are people all over doing work, but there are people all over who consider themselves champions of the cause, um, that I'm just in regular conversation constantly with all of them. Um, with grant funders, grant funders are great. Foundation funders are great sounding boards because they are often your worst critics and most loyal supporters at the same time. I think I've got a dozen foundation funders who I am most grateful for, for the kind of skepticism that they bring to the organization and that they continue to fund us means we're doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I like it. You mentioned that, you know, you have people working on social. Uh, you have people working on constantly managing uh, data entry 
and I'm assuming taking care of the online portion of your uh, fundraising. A lot has changed in terms of the technology we have at our fingertips. How have you seen that help uh, what you do? And where do you see it going in the future? So I think that uh, I am so grateful, as I mentioned, 7,000 donors last year. There's no way we would have had that number of donors without um, technology being where it is today. I think the ease of being able to make a donation uh, to an organization, to a nonprofit, in a single step, on a single web page, I think that's huge. I think the ease of making monthly donations, of signing up for monthly donations, is huge. Um, and I think going forward, we have challenges. I look at my inbox every day, my Gmail inbox every day, and there are 300 messages from people asking me for stuff and people wanting to buy stuff. I think that cutting through the clutter of that is going to be a challenge that we need to continue to address. Um, so I think that while technology will help broaden the pipeline at, for initial stage entry donors, I don't think that technology is really going to play a role in continued relationship with those donors mm -hmm. because that's going to continue to be about relationship. And Facebook likes are one thing, but commitment and commitment in thousands of dollars is quite another. Mm -hmm. Where do you <laughs> see your role evolving in the coming years? My priorities are in traditional planned giving and major gifts work that will move, truly move the needle on long-term sustainability for the organization. I think from the time that I started up until now, we didn't have the communication pieces in place that effectively told the story of what Homeboy does every day throughout the year to all the many kinds of donors that we have. I think that those are now in place, and I think I've got the team that can carry those forward. So my challenge, my role, my priority is now going to be to focus on the major gifts. So for someone looking to get into development, what's the one piece of advice you would give them? Boy, I think, I think advice would be know what you need to raise, know your expectations, and then focus on the right people to help you reach those expectations. What I mean by that is don't think you're going to get Steven Spielberg to give you money just because he's rich. Find the people who are aligned with your cause. And maybe Steven Spielberg is aligned with your cause. But find the people who are aligned with your cause or can be aligned with your cause and get those people involved to the point that they want to invest. Mm -hmm. I could stop thinking about the silver bullets. 
and right. actually appropriately actionable steps. And I think with that, those are the perfect final words to finish this podcast. All right. So for those of our listeners who want to learn more about Homeboy Industries, where would they go? How would they do that? They would go to homeboyindustries.org, which is our official website, or they would find us on Facebook by searching on Homeboy Industries. And if you're in Los Angeles, there are a number of farmer's markets that you can go to. <laughs> As our producer, Alec Green, can attest, they have delicious cinnamon bread. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, Jackie Weber, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Jackie Weber is the Chief Development Officer at Homeboy Industries. Jackie, thanks again for joining us on the Nonprofit Ready Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And while you're there, we would love it if you'd leave us an honest rating and review. Finally, be sure to sign up for NonprofitReady.org, our open online learning portal for nonprofit professionals, which includes more than 300 online learning resources covering the most crucial job functions in the nonprofit sector, all 100% free. The Nonprofit Ready Podcast is a production of the Cornerstone On Demand Foundation. Thanks to our executive producer, Alec Green, our editorial director, Jeanette Lamb, our sound producer, Trung Nago, and most importantly, you, for helping us to build the Nonprofit Ready community. Learn more about all of the capacity building services of the Cornerstone On Demand Foundation at csodfoundation.org. Thanks again, and have a great day.